0: Good morning. I'm Brandon Kylie Kramer on the other side of the glass. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. The place that I want to begin is not with the suspension or the lack thereof suspension from the NFL. It's not necessarily even with the news of what happened yesterday with Tyreek Hill, because I did that a lot yesterday on the radio. I'd like to talk about something a little bit different, if that's okay with you guys. I'd like to talk about the thing that I thought we were going to be talking about all offseason for Tyreek Hill. And that's what he is on the field. Tyreek Hill is a magical football player. You don't need me to tell you that. You know that. You've seen it. You watched it. You've seen him do things on the field. I've literally never seen another player do. He's the fastest football player I've ever seen. His start stop. There was a video that got posted on Twitter the other day. It's unlike anything else in the league, and it's unlike anything maybe that I've ever seen, like football, basketball, or otherwise. I'm not sure I've ever seen anybody with the quickness of Tyreek Hill. And if this all didn't happen in the offseason, we would have been talking about him becoming the highest paid receiver in the NFL. We all know that. We also would have been talking this offseason about how Tyree Kill is potentially getting ready to make the jump that Antonio Brown once made. And I say that because Antonio Brown, over the first three years of his career, was a good player. Not a great player, but a very good player. He was considered to be one of the better receivers in all of football. His first three years, he had 260 catches, 3,500 yards, 15 touchdowns. So over the course of those three years, that's an average of 85 receptions, about 1,000, 1,100 yards, and five touchdowns per year. That's a really good player. How about this? Tyreek Hill's first three years, 225 catches, 3,200 yards, 25 touchdowns. So he's had more touchdowns over the first three years of his career than Antonio Brown. Relatively similar number of yards over the first three years and similar catches over the first three years. The Antonio Brown, the guy that we talked about for five years as being the clear, undisputed number one player at his position. Year four is when Antonio Brown broke out. Year four is what Tyree Hill is about to play 16 games in. In year four, Antonio Brown led the NFL with 129 receptions for seven 1,800 yards. Tyree Hill this year, we haven't talked about this because we've had so much other stuff off of the field to talk about with Tyree Hill. But Tyree Kill is trying to join Travis Kelsey, Khalil Mack, and Aaron Donald as, in my opinion, the only clear-cut, undisputed number one players at their position. Kramer, is there anybody else that I missed from that list? Like, I don't think there's one at receiver right now because Antonio Brown was that guy. I think now you can make the case for DeAndre Hopkins. You can make the case for Michael Thomas. You can make the case for Tyreek Hill if you want to, and I'll listen to it. You can make the case for Julio Jones, Odell Beckham. There's a lot of guys at the position right now. I don't think there's a clear-cut number one at the position. Running back, I could listen to Alvin Kamara. I could listen to Ezekiel Elliott. I could listen to Saquon Barkley. Quarterback, if you still think Tom Brady's the best because of what happened in the playoffs, I can listen to it. I think it's Patrick Mahomes, but I can hear the dispute of either Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. Offensive line, none of us know what we're talking about, so we're going to just go ahead and throw that off to the side. Defensive end, defensive tackle, definitely have one. Linebacker, maybe Keekly, maybe Keekly, but you could also throw Bobby Wagner in the mix there. There's nobody at cornerback, and I don't think there's a clear-cut, obvious number one safety right now. Did I miss anybody, Kramer? I don't think you missed anybody. What you you have so far with Kelsey, Mack, and Donald, that's probably the clear-cut ones right there. I'm with you. So if those are the guys, right now this year, what we're trying to see, what we're expecting to see, what we're hoping to see from Tyreek Hill is that he joins those guys. He becomes the fourth. And after the season, we're talking about four guys. As the clear-cut, unanimous, everybody agrees number one player at their position. Tyree Kill, had we not talked about all this stuff off the field, would be going for the A-B route. He'd be trying to make that leap. First three years of his career, great receiver. Everybody agrees top 10 at his position. We can discuss where he ranks on that list, but everybody agrees top 10 at his position. Year four, Antonio Brown made the leap and became the number one undisputed receiver in the league for the next... I would say through 2017, it was 2013, he had 1,500 yards. 2014, he had 1,700 yards. 2015, he had 1,800 yards, and then he went 1,300 and 1,500. He led the NFL in yards in two of those five years. He led the NFL in receptions in two of those five years. He had double-digit touchdowns in four of the last five years. That's the kind of player we're talking about with Tyreek Hill. That's why this offseason was so important for him. That's why when we were talking about whether or not the Chiefs would have him for the first two, four, six games of the year, it had such a significant impact on if you're playing fantasy football, why you would or wouldn't take Patrick Mahomes up high. If you're just looking at the Chiefs, why they could or couldn't win 12 to 13 games this year. That's the kind of difference that Tyreek Hill makes in this offense. And so when I was reading this morning, and Therese Paler had a new article up on Tyreek Hill and the contract negotiations, I was interested to see where he thinks, where he views that the Chiefs stand in all of this. So here's Therese Paler in Yahoo Sports. I would recommend reading the whole article, but here's a little excerpt for you from Therese Paler. I call this BK Reads on the Radio. Quote, There are obstacles that could affect the timeline of any Hill extension. For one, given the spectacle of the entire ordeal dating to Hill's initial selection by the Chiefs in 2016, it is fair to wonder if any new contract would have to include financial protections for the team if Hill runs into future legal issues, whether it come in the form of multiple contract clauses or, at the very least, a base salary-heavy deal. There are also questions that still must be answered about Hill's personal life, a source with knowledge of the situation told Therese Paylor. There are still things that need to play out that will provide closure and comfort that a similar ordeal will not happen in the future. The child services investigation involving the Kansas Department of Children and Family remains ongoing, for example. And Espinal gave birth to twins, filed a paternity suit last week in which she's seeking child support and full custody of the supervi- uh, uh, with supervised Parenting time for Hill. And finally, from Therese Paler. I continue to read. Regardless, no one should take that as any indication. The Chiefs do not want Hill for the long term or vice versa. Both sides just went through a very ugly ordeal, yet Hill remains a Chief, one who will be available for all 16 games in 2019, and, now this is my opinion, BK on the air, someone who I believe is going to be part of the future for the Kansas City Chiefs. I legitimately believe at this point, Tyreek Hill's going to be here for the long term. I believe Tyreek Hill's going to make the leap this year to become the next Antonio Brown, where we all believe he's the best receiver in the league. It no longer is disputed. I believe that's the future for Tyreek Hill in Kansas City. Now, there's a lot that's going to come, question-wise, with all of that. But on the field, from a purely on-the-field perspective, It is entirely possible but that at the end of the season, the Kansas City Chiefs have the undisputed number one quarterback in the league, the undisputed number one wide receiver in the league, and the undisputed number one tight end in the league. And oh, by the way, they're all under the age of 30. One's 23, another's 25, and I believe Travis Kelsey is like 28. That's what we're looking at with the Chiefs. This is the new triplets, potentially, in the NFL. So, when we were talking about the suspension and how long it could be and what the future holds for Tyreek Hill here in Kansas City, this is why it was so important. Because we could be talking about not just a good football player, not just a guy that helps you on the field. We could be talking about a transcendent player who ultimately has a career that at least mirrors what Antonio Brown did over the last decade in Pittsburgh. That's what we're talking about here. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kiley. He's Kramer. Coming up next, I do have one question about the Tyreek Hill investigation, where the league ultimately went with it, and why Tyreek was not suspended. I have one question that I just can't shake. We'll do it next. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. The leadoff with Brandon Kiley, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back. It is the lead off on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kylie Kramer on the other side of the glass. If you want to get involved in the show, the Protein House Eat With the Purpose text line is 69306. I'm on Twitter as well. You can hit me up at BK Sports Talk. So we've got a little interaction coming in on the text line. Like I said, 69306. My prediction for Tyreek Hill this year is 105 receptions for 1,750 yards and 16 touchdowns. That comes from the 913 Listen, man, you can put out just about any numbers right now for Tyreek Hill and what he's going to do next year. I'll buy it. I'll buy it. It's at least in play. The one thing that would concern me in terms of the numbers, like the the ceiling for Tyreek Hill, is because the team has Travis Kelsey and they want to get the running backs involved in the passing game and Sammy Watkins, I think, is going to be heavily involved this year. Because of those things, it's hard for him to get to, like, 130 receptions. Like, That just seems unlikely, but, you know, I mean, Tyreek Hill last year averaged 17 yards per catch. Like, think about how crazy that is. He averaged 17 yards per catch. For a little bit of context, Antonio Brown, who we all agreed, was the best receiver in the NFL. His career high is 16. Tyreek Hill last year, on a per-catch basis, was better than Antonio Brown has ever been in the history of his career. I did want to clarify one thing from the last segment. I did say the Chiefs have... Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and Patrick Mahomes all under the age of 30. That is technically true. Travis Kelsey is 29 and 288 days. So technically, by the end of the year, he's going to be 30 years old. But, but my statement remains true. He is technically under the age of 30. Dusty texted me. He's like, hey, man, by the way, uh, good segment. But Travis Kelsey, pretty close to 30. That's fine. The The heart of the segment, what I was trying to say there, it all came through. You understood where I was trying to go with that. Uh, six, nine, three zero six. Like I said, is the protein house eat with a purpose text line to get involved here in the show coming up here in just about 10 minutes. The chief's magic number very well may be at odds with how I view the 2019 season. So we'll get into that coming up in 10 minutes, but right now I know some of you are sick of this conversation and I understand that, but I did want to have it this morning anyways, just because it is the biggest news in the NFL. It is the biggest news in sports right now. Tyreek Hill not suspended yesterday. And as much as it wasn't a shock here in Kansas City, I think a lot of our audience, if you if you polled them right now, and I think Kansas, the Kansas City Star actually did this yesterday, and like 70% of their uh, readership said they weren't surprised that Tyreek Hill was not suspended. So in Kansas City, not a surprise that Tyreek Hill ended up not getting suspended. Nationally, the view was much different. The reaction nationally, and some of this is because they just didn't follow it the same way we did. They heard the first comment. And then they signed out, and they were like, that dude's going to be suspended, whether it be for eight games, 16 games, whatever. He might be banished from the league, whatever. He should be cut. They signed out. They checked out. And then they come back in whenever the NFL comes out with their announcement. They didn't see the in-between. They didn't pay attention to the in-between. And I don't blame them because there was a lot of stuff that was going on between the initial comments on draft night and where we got to yesterday when the NFL ultimately decided, no, we are not going to suspend Tyreek Hill. There is one place, though, there is one question that I just can't find the answer to. That one question is, why wasn't the terrified comment punishable? The NFL did not mention it a single time in their statement. If you remember back to Tyreek Hill's attorney's statement, whenever that first came out, that was probably what? Mid-May? Something like that? Tyreek Hill's attorney The guy that defends Tyreek Hill, the guy that went into the eight-and-a-half-hour interview with the NFL and defended Tyreek Hill and apparently did a very good job in doing so, he would not even defend the comment. He said Tyreek Hill would not ask me to defend that comment. He knows it was wrong. So if that was the case and we saw just a year ago... That Jimmy Smith, a cornerback for the Ravens, was suspended four games for threatening comments to a woman? Did this not meet up to that criteria? This is something Mike Florio, and I know a lot of you guys hate him, but he does make good points here. This is something Mike Florio talked about yesterday when he was on with Schoenberg. My thought that at a minimum there would be some sort of discipline for that threat that was made by Hill to a woman that he previously pleaded guilty to assaulting when she was pregnant. So at a minimum I thought that would spark some sort of discipline. Last year, Ravens cornerback Jimmy Smith was suspended four games for making threats and engaging in emotional abuse, the mother of his child. So I thought there would at least be something, a fine, something imposed on Tyree Kill. And the thing that surprises me, and I'm trying to get an explanation from the league, didn't even address that remark. That was the remark that caused the Chiefs to tell him, basically go home and stay home for the rest of the offseason program. And that remark wasn't even addressed. The issue of any comments made to Crystal Espinall wasn't addressed in the statement that was issued by the NFL. So that's where we were yesterday. And the NFL then came out with a statement to Pro Football Talk, to Mike Florio, and they said Tyreek Hill's comment to Crystal Crystal Espinall did not warrant discipline. It did not rise to that level according to them. They said the audio tape was reviewed as part of the overall investigation, which also included speaking to multiple people, including family members on both sides uh, and Tyreek Hill. When viewed in the context of the full 11-minute audio recording and all other information gathered, the statement did not rise to a level of warranting discipline under the personal conduct policy, end quote. That came directly from the NFL to Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk. Maybe that's the case. I'm just surprised by it. And so I think it has to be one way or the other. And you can disagree with me, and I completely understand that. Reasonable minds can disagree, especially in a situation like this that has been ugly and convoluted and confusing from the very beginning. The NFL has suspended four things like this in the past. That is indisputable. That is 100% true. You can disagree with the fact that they did, but they did suspend for things like this in the past. They chose not to suspend Tyreek Hill for the comments. Now, there are only two options here. Either option A, the NFL is moving in a new direction, and the NFL has decided we are going to look for reasons not to suspend our players, as opposed to looking for reasons to Suspend our players for off-field issues. Now, if that is the case, me personally, I agree with that assessment. I actually tend to lean on the side of things that if the legal side can't punish these things, it is not in the NFL's best interest to do it for them. I don't believe that to be the case. And so if this were always the precedent, I would have agreed with it. This has been one of my issues with Roger Goodell from the beginning. He is the jury, the judge, and the executioner, and he uses his power to the full extent of his authority. I've never agreed with that. I've always felt like when you can get Tom Brady on the field for 16 games, it's better than having Tom Brady off of the field for four of them. That's been my view on it. I think that they made a mistake in the Ezekiel Elliott situation. He shouldn't have been suspended by the league. The legal side of things did not find any wrongdoing. You can agree or disagree with those findings, but they didn't find any wrongdoing. The NFL shouldn't be playing the law there. So in this situation, I tend to agree that the NFL got it right here, but their previous history would have all led to me believing otherwise. And so if they're going in that direction, that's perfectly fine by me. I tend to agree with it. I just ask for some consistency Moving forward, the other possibility is that the NFL just maybe messed up here. The NFL looked specifically more into the child abuse case, which is not messing up. That's what they should have been looking into. And they found Tyreek Hill did not do anything wrong there necessarily. Or they found that they couldn't find any evidence that Tyreek Hill did anything wrong there. And those two things are not the same. Being proven innocent and not finding any evidence are two very different things. (laughs) Not being able to prove somebody did something is different than being able to prove somebody did not do something. And we need to remember that in this case and in any cases moving forward, those two things by the law, by the NFL standards, whatever standards you want to look through, those two things are very different. And so if the NFL is moving in a new direction, I tend to agree with it. If the NFL in this case just got it wrong, in my opinion, then it is what it is, and I can't say anything wrong. But those are the only two places that I think that this can go. We've got a lot coming in on the text line. 69306 is the Protein House. Eat with a Purpose text line. I want to read through some of these because a lot of them are disagreeing with my point of view on this. Perfectly fine. I want to hear from you guys throughout the morning. 69306 is the Protein House. Eat with a Purpose text line. You guys can call as well. 913 576 is the place to do so. And if you want to hit me up on Twitter, that's your place that you want to hit me up. BK Sports Talk is the place to do so. We can get back to this coming up on the other side. Plus, the Chiefs Magic number completely at odds with how I previously viewed the season. We'll get into it all. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. The leadoff with Brandon Kylie, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kylie. We got Kramer on the other side of the glass. If you want to get involved in the show, the Protein House Eat With a Purpose X line is 69306. Here in just a second, we'll talk about the Chiefs' magic number for the season and why it very well may be at odds with how I view the year. But first, I want to kind of put a bow on what we were just talking about. My only question left with the Tyreek Hill situation, and really, like, it's over now. So the only question that I have remaining about how the NFL handled it in, at, at all is I just don't understand how we got from day one when the the biggest thing that we were talking about, the reason why we all thought he was going to get cut Was because of the terrified comment. That's why we thought he was going to be cut at the time. And now, three months later, it's not even worthy of being punished by the NFL. So I wanted to hear from you guys. uh, The protein I see with the purpose text line 69306 to see where you're coming at on this. Uh, This one comes from the 816. BK, while that certainly sounds threatening, the key is who he said it to. If she doesn't feel threatened because of how they speak to each other, then it is not a threat. That's why it is important that she did not talk to the NFL. Now, the part that I do agree with this text, Tyreek's pretty lucky that she didn't talk to the NFL. Crystal Espinal was the one, I mean, if we're talking about this honestly, she's the only witness that matters. Like, if you're the NFL, the only person you truly need to speak to is Crystal Espinal. And they didn't. They were not able to. She did not make herself available. Now, you can come to whatever conclusion you would like to as to why she didn't talk to the NFL. And I could listen to an argument for a whole lot of reasons why she wouldn't talk to the NFL. I could at least hear the arguments for why. But in the end, she's the one you needed to talk to, and she didn't make herself available. That being said, as to the comment, it we can discuss however we want to. We can disagree on the comment in a lot of different ways. the comment was inappropriate, period, end of story. There is no defending the comments. Now, was it a physical threat? I would tend to believe not. But it was inappropriate. And so whether you deem that to be worthy of a suspension or deem that to be worthy of a fine, in the in the past, the league for threats like that, especially threats like that that have come out into the public, whether via via, via video or via audio, however you want to look at it, those have in the past been at least punishable. However you want to look at it, whatever whatever side of or whatever uh, magnitude of punishment you want to put on it, it's been punishable by the NFL. Let's go back to the protein. I'll see you with the purpose sex line from the 816. His lawyer didn't want to get into defending the name calling. The terrified comment was him parroting her comments, and you can't know what he meant by it. You're in, in, inferring, but yeah, I think he means implying, violence because of his past. He said nothing violent. I'm not implying anything. I'm saying the comment was inappropriate. I'm saying the comment, based on the NFL's past standards of how they view these things and how they punish players, would have been punished. It's that simple. Sometimes we make this stuff harder than it is. The NFL's past, and in the end, Roger Goodell does whatever he wants, and uh, Therese Baylor told us that all along. The NFL gets to do whatever it wants to do in these cases. In the past, that's been punishable. In this case, they deemed it not punishable. That's perfectly fine. But for us, when we're discussing the comment, We can all agree it was inappropriate. Now, you can disagree with the varying degrees of how inappropriate it was or if it was a threat or however you want to look at it. It was inappropriate. It was a bad look for Tyreek Hill. It almost, in terms of public perception, a lot of people the night that it was released thought he should be cut because of it. Now, we can talk about the context. We can talk about all these different things. At the end of the day, the comment was inappropriate. Final one that I want to get to. This comes from the 816 on the Protein. I see with the purpose text line at 69306. Hey, BK, I think the biggest reason was the facts about his fiance exposed over time and the context of the full audio. I put those comments in a different light after hearing all of that. I can understand that. There have been so many turns in this case, and I was listening to Sam Mellinger, who they did a Sports Beat KC podcast for the, for the Kansas City Star, and they were talking about just kind of from the columnist's perspective how many twists and turns there have been in this story. It's been kind of crazy because from where we started to where we are today, if I had told you in April that Tyreek Hill would get no suspension, no fine, and the end result would actually be him getting close to market value in terms of a contract extension, we all would have said there's no way. There's no way that's how this goes. Think about how many twists we would have had to take to be able to get to that point from point A to point B. That's where we are. It's kind of incredible. It is the lead off on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon. Kylie Kramer on the other side of the glass. So the Chiefs magic number. I say this because I think there is a magic number. The magic number is 12. Here's why I mention this. In the last 20 years, there's only been one AFC team that made the Super Bowl without winning at least 11 games. That team was the 2012 Baltimore Ravens. Let's go more specific, why I mentioned the 12 12 wins. In the last 15 years, so basically since football became this version of football, the football where we're throwing the football around and the Patriots are dominant. So basically in that time span, only three AFC teams have made the Super Bowl without winning at least 12 games. That was last year's Patriots. The 2012 Ravens, who are the outlier in every possible way in modern football, and the 2005 Steelers when they won behind a dominant defense and a running game. That doesn't work in 2019. I can promise you that much. What the Steelers did in 2005, you can't do that anymore. That thing doesn't exist. So I'll read that again. In the last 15 years, three teams, three AFC teams made the Super Bowl without winning at least 12 games. I think that's really important because all offseason, I've been the one that's come on the air and saying, I don't care about the regular season. It doesn't matter to me. The regular season is not important anymore. It's not about winning the AFC West. It's not about winning the MVP for Patrick Mahomes. It's not about putting up all these offensive yards. All I care about this year is going to the Super Bowl. It's the only thing that matters. That is the goal. The goal is no longer do really well in the regular season, host an AFC championship game. They've done anything that you can accomplish based on a good regular season. We just saw them do. They got the biggest award that you can have. They put up numbers that we haven't seen in like 15 years in the NFL offensively. They were fun as hell to watch. They were dominant in the regular season. They hosted a a home AFC championship game as a result of what they did in the regular season. Everything you can do in the regular season, they just did. And so when I viewed it, I said, very simply, I don't care about it anymore. If you're a wild card team, I don't care. Well, these facts are putting that in a different light. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe I'm willing to admit I was a little bit off base on this. Now, I'm not suggesting that the regular season is the end all be all. It is not. I still don't really care about it. But if previous history would indicate to us that the Chiefs need to win 12 games in order to make the Super Bowl. Okay, maybe that's the standard. Maybe the new standard is very simple. Hey, Chiefs, you got to win at least 12 games next year. In the regular season, you got to get to 12. Because if you get to 12, based on previous history, you've got a pretty good shot of making the Super Bowl. If you don't get to 12, you got to be one of the outliers. You got to be last year's Patriots. You got to be the 2012 Ravens. You got to be the 2005 Steelers. Those teams are not typical. The typical team that makes the Super Bowl out of the AFC, and this is not exactly a huge surprise, but it is interesting given the fact that it is such an outlier to be the opposite. You got a great quarterback, you got a great coach, and you were dominant in the regular season. And then ultimately, you made your way to the Super Bowl. That's typically the path that teams take. And so for the Chiefs next year, now that Tyreek Hill he is there the full season, he is not going to be suspended. They've kind of got all the formula or all the ingredients. Like the formula is kind of there and they fit all the requirements. If you're if you were just going down, and you were to check the boxes of how do you make a Super Bowl? What do you need? What are the things that have to be in place based on past history to be able to make the Super Bowl? Great coach. All right, check for the Chiefs. They've got the second best coach in the NFL, in my opinion. Great quarterback. All right, we can go ahead and check that one off as quick as possible because they've got a rocket ship who's 23 years old and just won the MVP and is probably the best young quarterback in the league since Dan Marino. All right, yeah, let's check that box off. Something that makes you transcendent in that year. Okay, well, we've seen in the past some teams have defenses. Yeah, I think having the best tight end in the league, the best quarterback in the league, and arguably soon the best receiver in the league. Yeah, let's check that one off as well. The Chiefs have all the ingredients. It's all there. And I got to say, I don't know that I have a single question about the offense at this point. Like, if we're going into the season right now, what is the biggest question mark? Is it the starting left guard? Is that the biggest question? Like, honest to God, I think the biggest question marks facing the offense at this point are like the starting left guard and the backup tight end. I'm not kidding. I'm being totally serious right now. You've got depth at running back. You've got one of the best young quarterbacks in the league. You have legitimate depth now at wide receiver. You have a second-round rookie that you'd trade it up to take who might be your number four receiver in week one. You have an unbelievable tight end. You have a good left tackle, even if we can to disagree on the varying levels of good, but he's good. A great right tackle. a one of the highest paid right guards in the NFL. Your biggest question marks are a couple of interior offensive linemen and your backup tight end. This team should have the expectations of going to the Super Bowl. So the magic number, it's 12. History will tell you in the AFC, you got to get to 12 to be able to make it to the Super Bowl. That's what I'm now going to hold this team to. I was wrong. I said that the, the season was all about the Super Bowl. I still believe that to be true. I just didn't realize how much the regular season mattered to be able to make it to the Super Bowl. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kiley. Kramer on the other side of the glass. If you want to get involved, the Protein House Eat With A Purpose text line is 69306. You can hit me up on Twitter as well. I am at bk Sports Talk. Coming up next, I think there's going to be a new fan favorite in Kansas City next year. I'll tell you who it is next on the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. The leadoff with Brandon Kylie 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back. It is the lead off on Six Ten sports radio. I'm Brandon Kiley. we got Kramer on the other side of the glass. The protein I'll see with a purpose text line is six, nine, three, zero six to get involved in the show. So we'll discuss who I think is going to become the next fan favorite for the chiefs here in just a moment. We do want to pass along a little bit of news. Uh, this comes from Shams who covers the NBA he says guard. Frank Mason has agreed to a two-way contract with the Milwaukee bucks. So former KU guard frank mason going to be playing with the milwaukee bucks either the g league team or the nba team next year that's a good fit for him man if you can get on a team that's a legitimate contender after getting released by the kings it's a good spot for him so frank mason going to continue his nba career with the milwaukee bucks also this from vic fangio the head coach of the denver broncos talking about drew Locke, former mizzou quarterback drew Locke. this is him yesterday his comment quote his college offense Had no carrier over to pro offenses. He was under duress a lot. I don't think he's as far along being an NFL-ready quarterback as he could have been. He's not a quarterback yet. He's a hard-throwing pitcher who doesn't know how to pitch. So, some some strong comments from your head coach talking about the second-round quarterback that John Elway has pitched as being the future of the team. Quote, he's not a quarterback yet. He's a hard-throwing pitcher who doesn't know how to pitch, end quote. All right. All right. As someone who covers Mizzou, I would suggest that that was what the old Mizzou offense was. Like, under Josh Heupel, that's absolutely correct. Nothing he did under that offense would translate to the NFL, and that is why Drew Locke came back for his senior year. What he did last year, a decent amount of that translates. He's not as far along, or he's not as far away as some of those comments would seem to make it out to be. Wow. Vic Fangio not holding back on his second round quarterback. Like I said, it is the leadoff on Sixth Sense Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kylie Kramer on the other side of the glass. Let's talk about a player that I think is going to quickly become one of the fan favorites here in Kansas City. Now, he's got a bit of a past as well, but given the fact that Chiefs fans love watching guys who just. Bring it all on the field. I think Frank Clark's going to quickly become a fan favorite. I was listening to the Yahoo NFL podcast earlier this week. We all know I love Therese Paler. Charles Robinson is his co-host on that. And here's what Charles Robinson had to say about when he was watching Frank Clark at Seahawks camp. Listen to this. Well, he's a mentality setter in that locker room. I watched him. Literally watched him knock out Jerm- uh, 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 Jermaine Affetti in practice. That's I was what, there. That's why the Chiefs didn't. got him, to bring yeah. that mentality. Yes. Like, he's he is a brand of nasty. That is rare. That is rare even for the NFL. A brand of nasty that is rare even for the NFL. If I've heard any slogan that would describe what Chiefs fans want from a defender right now, like that they've just been craving for years, where they're like, I just want blank. How about this? I just want a defensive player that is a brand of nasty that is rare even in the NFL. That sounds exactly like what Chiefs fans have been waiting for. Like, if you could just put it as simply as you could in one sentence what the Chiefs have been praying for for the last few years, that would be it. Frank Clark fits that bill, and that's what the Chiefs needed. Here's what Travis Kelsey had to say about it earlier this week. Talking on Bleacher Report. Frank's a dude, man. That, he is a he an absolute beast. And when we played him, it was like, all right, yeah, but we only got one week of that. I've been just watching him go to work and practice, and that dude. You were probably trying to chip him a little bit too. Yeah, no, I, I really didn't want anything to do with him. But he he's he's a beast, man. Just I just appreciate how hard he works. You know, that's just, that's going to change the whole like kind of mindset of the defense of like, you know, what we're we got some we got some we got to do. All right, so Travis Kelsey says he's going to change the mindset of the defense. Now let's hear from Frank, Frank Clark, okay? Because Frank Clark this earlier this offseason was conveniently asked, what do you want the mindset of the defense to be? Here's Frank Clark telling you exactly what he wants. I feel like a whole lot of swag, a whole lot of game. Um, at the end of the day, I feel like you got to have that. I got to have that. It's 2019. It's a different era of football. Um, you know, it's a lot, of, a lot of throwing, a lot of... You know, a lot of um, smack talk going on, but I feel like you just got to have a whole lot of swag, a different swag, a different mentality, and you got to let your nuts hang a little bit. Honestly, um, I feel like this is a sport where you can't be uptight, you can't be scared, and you can't be in fear. That guy's going to be your new favorite, Chief. Like Tyron Matthew, I think there's going to be a lot of people that really like him. Travis Kelsey, he's got plenty of fans. Tyreek Hill certainly still has plenty of fans. Patrick Mahomes, he's the best player. He's the guy that matters the most. He's the franchise. He's the quarterback. Everybody's going to love Patrick Mahomes. Frank Clark's going to be a guy that a lot of people get behind. You're going to go out to St. Joe, especially because I think at this point, it's fair to say this is the most anticipated training camp I can remember. Like, in terms of my life, like I said, I'm 26 years old. I can't remember a more anticipated training camp, especially now that the Tyreek Hill news is behind us. Like, once Chris Jones reports to camp, and he has to be there by August 6th, so In a worst-case scenario, he's going to miss a week of practices. I got to be honest with you, I'd be surprised at this point if he's not there early on. So, and that's not me reporting it. It's just like from a pure financial perspective, like there's no reason to hold out. If you have no leverage and they know you have to be there by August 6th, why would you hold out and lose the money that you would lose by not going? So, once Chris Jones gets there and everybody's in camp, this is the most anticipated training camp for the Chiefs that I've ever been a part of. That's kind of incredible. And when you get there to St. Joe, when you're watching the Chiefs in camp, Frank Clark's going to be the guy that you want to keep your eyes on. Because I will set the over-under. Let's see here. they I think they have like 17 practices, something like that. I'll set the over-under at four and a half fights that Frank Clark gets into. That might be low. That might be low. Like five and a half, like t- tussles. Not talking about, like, legitimate punch him out rock him, sock him fights. But, like, you know, there's a little pushing and shoving going back and forth. It's a million degrees outside like it is today. They're all PO'd because they've been out in the heat, and this dude's done this exact same move to you 27 times, and he's going a little bit too hard in practice. You're like, I'm sick of you, Frank Clark. Get off of me. And Frank Clark's not going to take your crap. And so he's going to push right back, and he's going to give you the attitude that he just talked about in that comment. That's how he becomes a fan favorite. That's the guy that the Chiefs wanted to bring in to this defense. That's the guy that they wanted to completely change the mentality of where the Chiefs defense is and where it's going to be. Tyron Matthew, by the way, spoke about the exact same thing earlier this week on Undisputed. I think we'll be a lot better. Oh um, you know uh, you, you, you better be. Yeah, right. You gotta live <laughs> up to that offense. <laughs> right? right. You know, uh and, and I think we got a great challenge ahead, you know, and I told our group. You know, um, this is going to be a tough hill to climb. You know, um, especially where those guys were last year, and um, you know, we, they brought myself and, and Frank Clark in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think anytime you could bring two guys in that really have a chip on their shoulders, an edge, um, a certain personality, um, you could rub off on a lot of guys right. in, in, mm-hmm. a, in a positive way. And um, I think that's I think that's why they brought me in Kansas City um, for one um, was to really kind of raise the tide of everybody mm-hmm. around me. And uh, so it's going to be a fun season. And, uh, you know, uh, I think we can't get caught up into what the offense is doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think most teams I've played on, I've always been a big brother, you know. So uh, it's going to be different, you know, being a little brother. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. We've talked about this before. But the biggest difference that this Chiefs defense is going to have in 2019 is not necessarily the talent on the field. They had talent last year. Justin Houston's a talented player. D Ford is a very talented player. The difference this year for the Chiefs is going to be the mentality. And the mentality at some times is it's third and four. They're going to run the football. We are going to stop them. They're not going to get this first down. You remember the scene and remember the Titans. Do not let them get another inch. That's the mentality. Like, it. it sometimes is that simple. Sometimes it is as simple as, This man in front of me is not going to be able to block me on this play. I think Chris Jones had that mentality sometimes last year. I think there were times when D Ford had that mentality last year. He was like, I need to get paid. This dude's not blocking me. Frank Clark, I think, has that mentality on literally every play. Tyron Matthew has that mentality of, they're not going to score on me every single play. Now, it's going to happen sometimes. A lot of the times, you're going to lose. The offense sometimes just wins the play. But more often than not, the mentality of the defense this year for the Kansas City Chiefs is the thing that is going to change. That is the thing where it's third and seven. You know it's going to be a pass play. You're playing against the Patriots. You know it's going to Julian Edelman across the middle. And you say he's not catching this. That's the difference. That's the difference that the defense is going to have this year. Did want to mention one other thing. There was some news in the NFL earlier this week. The Falcons made a lot of news, actually. It kind of got passed over because, you know, the Chiefs made a lot of news as well. But the Falcons made some news. They paid Grady Jarrett, their defensive tackle, a four-year, $68 million contract. Then, 24 hours later, came back and paid their linebacker, Deion Jones, a four-year, $57 million contract. This is important for the Chiefs. Because here's a list of some of the extensions that the Falcons have given players In the last three years, this is since 2017, their quarterback, Matt Ryan, five years, $150 million. Their offensive tackle, Jake Matthews, five years, $75 million. Their defensive tackle, Grady Jarrett, who I just mentioned, four years, 68. A cornerback, Desmond Trufant, five years, 70. Deion Jones, four years, 57. And their running back, they paid a running back. Five years, $41 million. I say all of that to say this. For as much as we've talked about how difficult it's going to be for the Chiefs to bring back Tyreek Hill in a long-term deal and to be able to re-sign Chris Jones and to be able to re-sign next offseason Patrick Mahomes to the richest contract in NFL history, there are teams that have done it. The Falcons did all of that, and also they're about to pay Julio Jones to make him the highest-paid receiver in the league. The salary cap is fake. These teams find a way to maneuver around it all the time. The Chiefs are going to be the next team to do it. The Falcons have done it. The Vikings did it. The Cowboys are going to try to find a way to do it with their quarterback and their running back, and they, they're they about to pay Omari Cooper. They've got Leighton Esch who's going to come up soon. They're about to pay Jalen Smith. They have to pay their cornerback, Byron Jones. Like These teams all find a way to do it. The Chiefs are going to be fine from that perspective. Don't worry about it. The Falcons have done it. The Vikings have done it. The Cowboys are going to do it. The Chiefs are going to join suit. They can pay Chris Jones and Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes if they want to. They might not, but that doesn't mean that they can't do it. They absolutely can. Coming up next, Jay Binkley has a lot of thoughts on the Tyreek Hill situation. I want to talk to him about those, plus how good can this offense be next year? Like We've talked a lot about the off-field stuff. I just want to talk to Bink and nerd out about football for a little bit. We'll do that next. It is the lead off on 610 Sports Radio. The lead off with Brandon Kylie, 610 Sports Radio. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof?